And so uh, we're continuing in this Gospel of Mark. And uh, I've been looking at this thought all week. And there's actually a song, but we're not going to sing that song this week. But one touch from the king changes everything. One touch from the king changes everything. I want you to look at each other because you kind of need to wake up today, whatever's going on. Look at somebody and say, one touch of the king changes everything. Amen? One touch from the king changes everything. Now, many of you know this great uh, gospel song by Bill and Gloria Gaither, uh, He Touched Me, right? That song that we've heard so many times. It actually was one that they wrote back in 1963. I was just a bubby. <laughs> I wasn't very old when they wrote this. It was actually a year after their wedding in 1962. So this was one of their beginning songs. It wasn't the first song, but it was one of the beginning uh, songs that would define their career. The first version of He Touched Me as a Hymn wasn't until 1976. And Bill Gaither gives the inspiration for why he wrote the song. He touched me, came very late one night. He had been asked to play piano uh, for a revival meeting in Huntington, Indiana. And he was accompanying Doug Oldman, who was providing the music for his father, Dr. Oldman, the speaker for the evening. After the meeting, as the three of them had to take that ride home, uh, it, what was happening was they were beginning to talk about how the Spirit had moved in those services. They were just so amazed how God had moved in those services. And so just as they were dropping Bill off at home, Dr. Oldman said to Bill, you should write a song that says, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And so Bill didn't sleep that night. He stayed up all night and wrote that song that we've sung so many times. And then in the morning, Gloria helped him with it and revised it. But why do I bring that song up today? Because, yes, touch is so important, and we talk about how God touched us, but touch was a significant part of the ministry of Jesus. We see it all throughout the Gospels, both touching others and others touching him. For example, a woman that with the flow of blood touched Jesus from behind. The sick would come and beg just to touch the hem of his cloak. The blind man of Bethsaida Beg Jesus to touch him. The story, as we'll see this morning, of the leopard that begged Jesus to cleanse him. And from our passage today, we will see the power of touch. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. Have you been touched this morning by the king? Have you had an opportunity where the king has touched you? Our passage today... We see that there's this man, as Phyllis has read the scripture for us, but in verse 40 it says, A man with leprosy came to him and begged on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now really to understand this passage, we need to understand this terrible disease of leprosy. In Bible times there was no other disease that was feared. 
because it was a disease that attacked the whole body. It usually began with fatigue and pain in the joints and scaly spots would develop on the skin as the disease progressed and the body would be covered with pus-filled nodules. The face began to be so altered that the person began to resemble a lion. Nodules would grow on the vocal cords and you couldn't even recognize their voice anymore. They now had this raspy voice. The body was literally wasting away. Decomposition. Thus, there was a terrible stench wherever they traveled. They were literally the walking dead. Do you know so much so that in the Middle Ages, when you got diagnosed with leprosy, the priest would have your funeral? You were still living, but the priest would have your funeral while you got diagnosed with leprosy because basically they said you're as good as dead. It's a slow death. It usually would take around nine years. The sufferer usually died a horrible death. But that's not just what we're talking about here today. We're also talking about one of the worst aspects of leprosy was the social isolation, was the spiritual isolation. They were not free to be able to go and worship. They couldn't touch anything that was holy. They were not allowed in places of worship. And so he was supposed to do these things that were, according to Leviticus 13, there were laws set up for a person with leprosy. He had to tear, rend his garments. That was a sign of mourning. Basically, he was wearing funeral clothes because he was his own funeral. That's where he was going. His upper lip, now that sounds familiar, doesn't it? His upper lip had to be covered so that he didn't spread the disease. Then he had to shout. Some said they had to ring a bell. Others, they would shout, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine your whole life walking around? Unclean, unclean. Don't come near me. I'm unclean. They had to keep. We, we, we're upset with the six-foot separation and, and the 12-foot separation. They had to be 50 feet away from people, 50 feet away from people. Do you know, the Bible tells us, too, that leprosy is far more than a disease because it typified sin. Now, hear me right. The person who was diagnosed with leprosy wasn't directly necessarily to one of their sins, but it had this typification of what sin does to a life, what sin does to a body. The leopard was considered the embodiment of impurity. The external defilement of the disease was seen to represent the internal defilement of the heart. The leopard was a living, breathing commentary on the effects of sin upon humanity. Leprosy was incurable, and they were hopeless. Praise God, today it is curable, but in those days it was not. So lepers were not touched, and they were never allowed to touch. They had to be at a distance. But oh, my friends today, one touch from the king changes everything. One touch from the king. 
Notice how he comes to Jesus. We're told by Mark the position. Remember, Mark moves very, very quickly, and he tells you stuff, but there are little signs in here that you need to stop for a moment and look at. Notice how he approaches Jesus. He approaches Jesus where? In desperation on his knees in a position of humility, but let's remember, it took great courage because ultimately he had no right to even come near that holy man of God. He risked stoning, humiliation, and even death by the crowd, but can you imagine this picture as he comes up to Jesus and pushes his way through the crowd shouting, unclean, unclean, they've gone a hundred feet wide. <laughs> you can see that people are witnesses of this story. They're not close in. They're not listening in. They're watching from a far distance to see what Jesus is going to do. And this man pushes in through the crowd as he shouts, unclean, unclean. Oh, it took great faith. It took uh, amazing faith for him to go to Jesus, thinking that Jesus would even consider him and do something. You know, he has the faith to believe that Jesus has the power to heal. Have you seen that? He has the faith to believe that Jesus has the power to heal. Now, here's this question, though. He's wondering if Jesus would be willing. He is such a shatter of a man at this point that he's wondering. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he wonders if the master is willing. Notice he doesn't ask for healing. See, we've often used this passage as a healing passage, but truthfully, it's more than that because he doesn't just ask for healing, he asks for cleansing. And so you need to understand a little bit of, of this idea of clean and unclean according to the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament way of thinking, as you come into Leviticus and you're listening to the laws, there is this uh, idea and concept that God and the things of God are clean, are pure. You know the term, holy, right? We say things are holy, they belong to God. Separated for God, those things are pure. If a vessel was to be used for God or used for God's temple, it had to be pure. It had to be holy. And so you see there's this aspect of clean and Ultimately, most things in their state were clean until something defiled them, something made them unclean. It was skin diseases, discharges of the bodily fluids, touch, touching something dead or someone dead, eating unclean foods that could make you sick and you could possibly die. And so we see that everything that was unclean represented death and dying. God is pure. God is holy. God is clean. And he brings life. Man is fallen. We are decaying. Death all around us. And so these other things that are unclean lead to death. And so God had ways set up that a person who was unclean could now come and become clean again. And so he could once again approach the holy. He could become pure. 
because an unclean person could not eat or tithe the consecrated foods, could not approach God, could never worship, could never enter a synagogue or the temple. And so purification, that's what we see in the laws of Leviticus, is how can that which is unclean come clean that they can approach a holy God? That's why Pastor Mike uh, often talks about the book of Leviticus is quite an interesting book if you approach it the right way. It's not just rules and regulations. It's how can God help us to be able to approach him, we who are so unclean. And so purification came in different ways. One would usually involve a waiting period. Uh, washings, right? Symbolizing of washings and cleansing. It always usually included some kind of blood being spilled, some kind of atoning being done, and there were uh, priestly rituals that were a part of that. But basically, the central lesson conveyed by this system is that God is holy and human beings are contaminated. Once diagnosed with leprosy, this man was perpetually contaminated. There was no hope for him. But the truth this morning is God's word tells all of us, and we need to come again, that at the cross of Jesus Christ is level ground because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The truth this morning is we all are contaminated by the stain of sin before we approach this holy God. And we need cleansing. I love what somebody said, the leprosy of the heart. All of us experience this leprosy of the heart, they said, in its different forms. There's the leprosy of the heart puffed up by pride, a heart embittered by anger, a heart soiled by lust or soured by envy. There is the leprosy of the heart, weakened by gluttony, paralyzed by sloth, or poisoned by greed. There's the leprosy of the heart that plagues us, and like the leopard, we can't cure it on our own. Like the leopard, we need to come to Jesus with a simple request. If you wish it, Lord, you can make me clean. Just as leprosy disfigured the body, so sin defaces our soul. Just as leprosy caused pain, fear, and depression, so sin destroys interior peace, creates remorse, and instills the fear of judgment. But my friends, there's good news this morning. Praise God. We're not left in our sin. Hallelujah. Our leprosy of the heart is not incurable. It can be healed. What can wash away my sin? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, one touch from the king changes everything. And so we see in the Old Testament this picture of clean and unclean, that God is clean, holy, pure, and he brings life. We are unclean, sinful, polluted, fallen mankind that only brings forth death. And we need cleansing. Once a year, that cleansing would be provided. Uh, there would be that scapegoat that would take the sins out and, and take them away. But there was the one that had to die. There was the blood that had to be spilled. And on that great day of forgiveness, that great day of atonement, the blood was then taken into the most holy place 
and sprinkled there. And it was that one day of the year when everything was made right and the unclean was pronounced pure. The New Testament now interprets it in a different way because they believe that the blood that Jesus Christ shed on that one glorious day on Good Friday over 2,000 years ago, once and for all, he's paid through his precious blood to make each one of us clean. Paul talks about him sprinkling his blood on our hearts, on our conscience. And I don't just get pronounced pure or clean one day a year. God, forgive us. That would be very difficult. Because I wouldn't stay pure and clean very long. And the truth is, neither would you. But the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for us once and for all. One touch from the king changes everything. Then we see Jesus was indignant, my version says, and some other versions. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, Jesus said, be clean. And immediately, the scripture says, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, I don't understand why it says indignant. Some say compassion, as we see on our screen. Was it the disease that made Jesus indignant? Uh, We're not sure. Was it the fact? that the man questioned his willingness to touch and heal him. We're not sure what that is all about, but nonetheless, Jesus was healing, willing to touch him and willing to heal. That encourages me today. I hope that encourages you today, that Jesus is willing to come and cleanse. Jesus is willing to come and heal. That's an amazing thought when we think about it that he is willing. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter where we've gone. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Jesus is willing to heal. Jesus is willing to touch. And so we see in this passage, he reaches out his hand and he touches him. One touch from the king changed everything. And he was healed like that, of that terrible, terrible disease of leprosy. We're told he was cleansed. You see, to touch the leper was something that wasn't done. We've talked about that. We've talked about the fact that you didn't touch a leper. They were unclean, and heaven forbid you never let that leper touch you. But you know what's so beautiful in this passage? When everyone else ran, when everyone else stood at a distance, Jesus moved in close and allowed this man to come to his feet, and Jesus touched him. Do you realize that it's been decades since this man's been touched? It's been decades since he hugged his wife or touched his child. We know right now in COVID what seven months is like when people have been missing the touch, when we are concerned now about emotional well-being and mental well-being. It's not just about our physical well-being because we know the power of touch. We know how difficult it is for us as a church that we can't hug one another and shake each other's hand and give each other a slap in the back, as some of you do. (laughs) It's just strange. We struggle. I I think Pastor Mike and I, we went into the Phillips for the first time on Thursday, and Melvin says hi to the whole church, by the way, and others there, missing church so much. 
But what was so strange for us is to come to the end of the service, and so many thanked us for coming in. And then they go to put their hand out because they don't remember all the rules and regulations, and we had to put our hands behind our backs and step back in order to be able to continue to go, in order to be able to encourage and uplift and preach the word and sing to them, we had to step back. Tough, difficult, really, really hard. But you know what? I don't know what that would be like to go through that for decades. Decades that when all of a sudden you're diagnosed, you're removed from your family, you're removed from your home, you're removed from your town, and you live out in isolated places that have been set apart for you, never to touch, never to be touched again. But Jesus, Jesus touches him. That's just amazing what Mark is telling us here. When everyone else pulled away, Jesus moves in close. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? One touch from the king changes everything. Jesus didn't allow the laws of purity to keep him from touching people. Why was that? Why was it that everyone else was supposed to run because heaven forbid they would be affected by his disease? But Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned with that. You know why? Because he is God and he is holy and he is pure. And so the clean can always come and touch the unclean and change it because we need a cleansing from outside ourselves we cannot cleanse ourselves another human being cannot cleanse me only God can cleanse me and Jesus is the son of God and so he enters into the filthy dirty situation and he touches and makes clean you know in the church of the Nazarene we talk a lot about holiness don't we we're a holiness congregation and denomination, and it's so important for us, and I believe in holiness, and we sang at the beginning, victory in Jesus. I've been changed, I've been touched, I've been cleansed, and I will never be the same again, and I walk now in a pure and holy way because God has touched my life. <clears throat> One of the struggles with all of this is that we, we came to a place where we believed that we had to prescribe holiness. We had to have a list of do's and don'ts, now, there is a way that when you live out holiness, it should notice, you should be able to see it, but it's an issue of the heart. It's a matter of the life and heart before God. But what happened was, we've talked about this before, we built a wall and we're now holy because it's protected holiness. So I don't touch and I don't go and I don't do. And I'm a good, upright Christian. Nazarene. What we forgot to realize is holiness is a projected holiness. Holiness is not a protected holiness that I live myself in a little bubble. And we've got to be very, very careful, Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene, that even in the midst of COVID, we don't do this protected holiness. Well, hallelujah, we're just going to worship the Lord and we're not going to be around anybody or anything and we're just going to stay safe. No, my friends, true holiness is I am filled with the Holy Spirit, the cleansing power of God. I've been set clean and pure, and I can go anywhere and touch the unclean and make a difference in their lives. That is true holiness. That is projected holiness. Now, hear me right. I'm not saying because of COVID you go out and do all kinds of crazy things. 
that we need to be wise and we have our protocols in place and there's things that we do. But what I am saying is for too long we thought our holiness was protected. You know why? Because I'm doing it on my own strength. But if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I can walk into all kinds of places that are unclean and I bring the cleanliness and the purity and the holiness of God into that wretched situation. Now, I was raised in the Salvation Army, and I was raised at a point that I remember that the Salvation Army would walk into bars and all kinds of places and preach Jesus to them. (laughs) Because there was that concept that it doesn't matter where I go, I bring the purity and the cleanliness and the holiness of Jesus with me. Pastor Mike and I have been in some pretty dark places. We've been in some situations where you would cringe to know what went on around us but we believe that the Holy Spirit put us right there that we might bring the purity and the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. We're projected like Jesus out into the hurting and the dying and the broken to bring his touch to others. And so we see this leopard was cleansed and healed and Jesus gave him a command for him to be clean and instantly his leprosy departed and his deformed body was made whole and in an instant he was totally transformed. Do you know that's what happened to us when we came to Christ? Do you believe that today? If you haven't been changed and transformed, then I don't know what Christ you've accepted, because even Paul says we have become new creations, new creatures in Christ Jesus. There's a change. You can be raised in the church all your life, and there's a change that still happens when Jesus comes into this heart. We used to sing it, when Jesus came into my heart, when Jesus came into my heart, There is a change, a transformation that happens in our lives. And so we see this is what happened to this man. In an instant, he's totally changed and transformed. But you know what? A responsibility comes with that. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Do you ever feel like me? Oh no, I've said too much. Do you ever get to those times where you put your foot in your mouth? Shouldn't have said that. See, I want to ask you today, are you able to keep a secret? Now, if I asked your spouse, would they say yes, she she or he can keep a secret? If I asked your friends, they would say, yeah, that person can keep a confidence. They can keep a secret. See, here is a situation where Jesus tells this man, this is what I want you to do, but don't go tell other people. (laughs) Guess what? He wasn't obedient to what Jesus said. And see, the truth of it is, last week, Pastor Mike talked about prayer, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. When we withdraw, when we spend time with Jesus, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will tell you when you should speak and when you should not. Some of us that are type A personalities that we speak before we think, we need the Holy Spirit. Some of you don't struggle so much with that, but some of us, we need the Holy Spirit, and we need to heed the Holy Spirit when to speak and when not to speak. 
See, this man was to go and show himself to the priests, and Jesus says that it would be for a testimony unto them. So just get this picture now. Jesus is sending him to the local priests over the synagogue. Then he had to go to the temple in Jerusalem and show himself to the high priest and go through the Levitical system according to Leviticus chapter 14. And as he did that, the local synagogue would say, wow, look at this leper. I've never seen a leper healed. And then as he went into the temple, do you realize there was no healing since the days of Elisha of leprosy, of 2 Kings 5? The priest would have never used, ever used Leviticus 14, the chapter that Jesus is telling this man to do, of the purification and the act that they would have had to do. What a testimony for Jesus. What a testimony for his ministry. Instead of the Jews and the Pharisees and the scribes thinking that he was anti-God and anti-law, they would have seen that he abided by the law, that he loved the law, that he fulfilled the law. But instead, this man doesn't go to the priest. He doesn't travel the distance all the way up to Jerusalem. He doesn't do what he's been asked to do. And he goes around telling everybody what had happened to him. You see, what he was asked to do would take sacrifice. What he was asked to do would take time. What he was asked to do would cost. What he was asked to do would be obedience. This is a hard lesson at the end of this passage. Do you realize that our disobedience to God hinders God's plan? When we are not obedient to the Holy Spirit, when we are not obedient to God, that we can indeed affect people and it holds back the gospel of Jesus Christ in the lives of others. Maybe even in high places. That's what this passage tells us today. How important it is for us to be obedient. And so, my friends, today, have you been touched by the king? Could you say to me, Pastor, yes, I've had this touch from the king that has changed everything. Maybe you're like the poor leopard this morning. Maybe you've been raised in the church all your life, but you're like that poor leopard, and you know deep down there are dark things. There are things that need to be cleansed and purified. You're aff afflicted and devastated by your sin. Maybe those listening in this morning, and I want to tell you today, it is curable. There is hope, and the hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Come to him. One touch from him will bring that cleansing that you've been looking for. Some of us today, we've been cleansed. We've been walking with the Lord, and somehow we just get going our merry way in the same thing week after week, and the very thing that Pastor Mike prayed for this morning, that we lose sight of what God's done for us. We lose sight of that moment when we had that first touch. We lose sight of those moments that when we've been struggling and prayed and needed healing or needed encouragement or loved ones saved, God touched. God moved. Maybe today you need to give him praise and thanks once again. God, I've been touched. I've been changed by the king. Maybe today you've been like him. Oh, you're excited about the things of Jesus, but you haven't been obedient to his leading and you haven't been obedient to his voice. 
and it was today that you realize your disobedience can have an effect on the furthering of the kingdom and someone else. Do you realize that after this, Jesus had to go out into the isolated places? So this man in isolation comes in and Jesus touches him. And because of his disobedience, Jesus no longer can freely minister. And he has to now go out in the wilderness and the isolated places because of this man's disobedience. I want to encourage you today that just one touch of the king can change everything. Worship team is going to come. Do you know what the sociologists call this? A paradigm shift. Sociologists say that there are people that all of a sudden in that moment when something changes everything, they would call the touch of Jesus on a life a paradigm shift. I pray that you've had that paradigm shift in your life. Oh, you know the word, shackled by a heavy burden, neath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. Since I've met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. That song is not just about healing, my friends. That song is about our lives being touched and changed, a paradigm shift. Say the words with me. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Praise God. Would you stand to your feet as we sing this song, if you want to come and stand today, kneel, whatever you need to do, say to someone beside you today, I need a new fresh touch of the Lord. I believe today he's here, ready to do it, waiting to do it. Would you be as bold to have the faith today that he wants to touch you? Amen and amen.